Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the New Generation Podcast. I am your host, Tanner Mondock, and I'm joined by... Now, I'm going to introduce you because... I'm going to introduce our, uh, our co-host here, uh, Janae Avery, because it is her birthday today, and we're recording oh, this on her birthday, Tanner. so happy, <laughs> happy birthday, birthday to Janae. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and uh, also joining us today over Zoom is Bill Strickland. Um, he's an author, former president and CEO of the nonprofit um, Manchester Bidwell Corporation based in Pittsburgh, but you might know him around here um, as his educational movement inspired the Hope Center for Arts and Technology in Sharon. So, Bill, thank you for joining us today on the New Generation Podcast. Thank you. So, I guess just to um, get things started here, you know, we mentioned that you uh, you were kind of the inspiration behind HopeCat here in Sharon. So, how did your work with education kind of get started, um, and then eventually leading to what we have here in Sharon now? Well. Uh, I founded in 1968, probably before you were born. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Both of us. <laughs> in vocational education and arts education in Pittsburgh that eventually became the Manchester Bidwell Corporation that these days provides vocational education and arts education to inner city uh, children and unemployed adults and we've been there now for 50 years hmm. and a few years back uh, I raised a lot of money and we built uh, a freestanding training center that incorporates vocational education and arts education for that population um, we also stuck a music hall on the north end of the building and we've been doing culinary arts ceramics vocational education in that regard uh, photography, digital imaging, so it's it's a poker hand uh, full of very directed training programs for economically uh, uh, challenged people. And why do you think it's important to have these or provide these opportunities for people who might not have the economics or status to have access to them on a normal basis? Because essentially, you know, you were a child who didn't also came from an economic struggling background, but you received the opportunity to, you know, do something different with your life. So how does that make a difference for a kid who may not have the same opportunities as someone else? Well, many of the students that I had grew up with, uh, like me, uh, were uh, unaware that they were assets, not liabilities. <laughs> and I've argued that just because you're economically deprived or under-resourced does not mean you don't have a life ahead of you. But you need to require acquire skills, a skill set, in order to take advantage of the opportunities that God has given you. But sometimes you don't realize it until you have a program that emphasizes how important you are to the world. You, in other words, you can't imagine it because you can't see it. And so the center in Pittsburgh and the centers like in Sharon are dedicated to working with that population that feels that they have been pushed aside or left behind. And we have been able to demonstrate that we can turn people who have given up on life themselves, that they do have a life and they do have a promising future, maybe even an exciting future. Hmm. So we have evidence now 
that supports this pretty strongly. And that's why I've continued to work in this space because I'm accumulating a lot of evidence that uh, poor people uh, are really contributors to the community and the centers give them an opportunity to demonstrate what they're capable of. So here at um, HopeCat in, uh, in Sharon here, um, you know, some of the people listening might be aware that, you know, a lot of the classes there, you know, it's, it's arts, uh, both and, uh, and medical uh, programs as well. And this is for the youth, adults. So what is it about the arts and like the medical programs do you think that, um, that you know, works well here at, uh, at HopeCat? Well, it works well because they have good leadership. Hmm. Uh, the facilities are spectacular. The uh, program is geared toward people who pretty much have given up on themselves. And we think that Hope Cat is really a demonstration of the power of the human spirit to overcome challenges in life. And it's become a living symbol to generations of students that they can have productive, contributing lives in their community and also break the cycle of poverty with themselves and also the secondary benefits that uh, happen to their children. So we break the cycle of poverty once and for all and get people to contribute uh, to their community and to others who come in contact with them as the result of being successful mm. uh, students and eventually employees. So how do you approach education differently when it comes to the youth and then also to adults? Like, how do you approach that differently? Well, the relationships that we create with the students is very high touch. And I am fully committed to building world-class facilities for people who have never experienced them. Hmm. Because I've discovered that environment creates uh, leadership and it also provides hope. That if you want to look like hope, you have to feel like hope, you have to represent yourself in terms of the facilities in which you train people. Nothing is second class, it's all first class. And what we've learned is putting people in a beautiful environment, enriched by the arts, uh, is an extraordinary demonstration of the power that environment changes behavior. And speaking of the youth, you know, at the beginning of this month, you actually attended HopeCat and did a um, speech with feral students. Um, so when you are preparing for to talk to the youth, what what is your goal to get across to them? Because sometimes, you know, when you first started out, the mindset of the youth can be a little bit different. So when you are approaching them, like what what is the things that you're really wanting them to take away from your talks um, when you're talking to them? I want them to feel and understand that just because of their background is not a description of what they're going to do in the future. That they are born, they have a life, and I try to represent myself as one of the kids, uh, once upon a time, who was like them. And I've been able to achieve uh, quite a bit in my life and have decided to spend the rest of my life working with students exactly like them. So it's both autobiographical, but it's also a deep commitment, now supported by 50 years of work in this space, that these students 
have a lot to offer and a lot to achieve, but sometimes people have to encourage them uh, to take advantage of the abilities that they have, but are often unrealized. So I become kind of a preacher in that regard. <laughs> and uh, I'm now that I have been giving speeches for 50 years, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> uh, we were there. Yes, you, you are good at it. Yes. Um, so what do you take away personally when you go back and you're able to speak to the students? You know, what do you take away from that experience personally? Hope. I feel better because <laughs> I've changed the trajectory of people's lives. There are very few professions in which you can actually say, because I was engaged with these folks, their lives are now different. Yeah. They have a chance. And many, in fact, I think we have a follow-up call tomorrow with some of the students from Farrell. Hmm. Because I indicated to them that if they were serious, they had to let me know. Well, yeah. they took me up. And oh, cool. so we're going to have a Zoom call uh, with some of those students tomorrow. Yeah. That lets me know in real time that I'm not just uh, uh, trying to entertain people, I'm trying to recruit people. Mm -hmm. And that is hard evidence that they were paying attention. You can't judge the students by the expression on their face. Mm. What you have to do is evaluate them on whether they follow up with a call. Mm -hmm. Right. They did. So that tells me I had pay dirt. And you mentioned that, you know, you have been on this journey for about 50 years now. So if you could drop maybe three gems for someone who's maybe just starting the journey and they're not necessarily sure exactly what to do or where to go or how to even start, what would you tell them? Call me up. <laughs> you know, uh, I have a phone number. Give me a call and go to the website. And that will give you a background, at least, on what I do for a living. And I'm very anxious, always, mm -hmm. to talk to people who are interested, who, who or my words, trigger uh, a feeling or a thought. And I'm prepared to try to answer as best I can uh, those inquiries. Because that is fundamentally the difference between, quote, education and the centers that we build. Our centers are built on relationships with students. It's not based on curriculum, it's based on kids, young people. And uh, unfortunately, public education is challenged with so many problems, they don't have the resources to intelligently uh, and systemically engage some of the challenges that the kids have. Our centers are very personal and they are based on a long-term relationship with the number of students that we work with and now we're getting uh, multi-generational and that is very exciting to see because now we begin to build a legacy in that community hmm. so i guess as we uh as we kind of approach the end of the um end of the episode here um is there anything that you know that we haven't touched on yet that you'd like to get across to anyone who well, might be listening yeah i i first of all uh, i'm a Thank you for uh, do, doing the uh, the, the um, description mm -hmm. on, through this interview, but also I'm really uh, in a, in a big hurry to get this message out to students uh, 
who live are living a life of opportunity. And I think hopefully this uh, description of what we do for a living will inspire others to do this work. And I'm in it for life. Uh, this is not uh, an opportunity to uh, not be inspired. It is an opportunity to be inspired. And that's what I hope to be able to do with this uh, description of the program that we've uh, uh, kind of put into 15 minutes. And I'm very grateful for this 15 minutes because it looks like we've got some smiling faces on the, on the <laughs> program. And that means that I've probably done at least that part of the job. Yes. Absolutely. And I do want to say you did mention the word legacy. So <laughs> when you think about your legacy, how would you frame that out? Or what do you want people to think about you, like when you're long gone about your legacy? Well, I, I want them, first of all, to recognize I do have a legacy. Let's start there. Right. Two, uh, I mean what I say, that I've been at this for a while, but I'm fully intending to continue to go and grow this idea. To anybody that's willing to listen, any day or hour of the day or night, I'm fully committed to building centers for people who are under-resourced in, in as many communities as I can reach at the time that God has given me to continue to do this work. And I, and I literally mean that uh, for the audience I have today and the audience I hope to be able to recruit as a result of the program that we put together in this very brief 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, you meant... You mentioned earlier on in the show that people can reach out to you, you know, if they if they want to get in touch with you, have any questions, you know, um, how can they do that? You know, cell phone number, website, email, what, what is all that? I think um, uh, I do have an email. Okay. W yep. Junior at ManchesterBidwell.org. You can reach me that way. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a main number f for the center in Pittsburgh. 412-323-4000 and you can find me that way mm -hmm. and all else fails um, I guess you could probably I'm not the technology guru on the call today but um, you can google me and uh, <laughs> I've got a big mouth and people google me all the time so uh, apparently that that's another way so there are at least two or three ways that you can maintain contact if you reach out and continue to reach out, I will find a way to get to you. I'll never give up on you. All right. Well, there you go. Um, Bill, I want to thank you again for joining us uh, this week on the New Generation Podcast. I definitely really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for the work you, go, you guys do. Of course. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll do it this week on the New Generation Podcast. Uh, we're here every Saturday. You can find us at SharonHerald.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those other ones, too. Then, of course, the New Generation Sports Report that myself and our sports editor, Dan Heiner, do uh, every Wednesday. Uh, we're in the thick of the playoffs here for basketball, wrestling, and all the other uh, winter sports here. So definitely tune into that show now if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, we're at Wednesdays, all the same place you can find this show. So, Bill, I want to thank you again for joining us this week, and thank you all for listening.